And this message will be listened to and help a lot of young preachers. This morning will be listened to and help a lot of young preachers in places, starting churches, trying to start a church. What kind of church should I have? It has no help from the outside or very little help to know what to do. This message this morning will help them. Tonight, I preach to them. Also, the decisions that you need to make privately. Tonight's just the title of it is the seven greatest decisions, seven greatest private decisions I've made in my life. Private. This morning was ministry decisions. Tonight's private decisions. A little overlap, not much. And I'll go quickly over the overlap. Let's take your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5 through 7, a very famous place of Scripture. <clears throat> Talking about Solomon. Chapter 1 Kings 3, 5 says, In Gideon, Gibeon, the Lord appeared in, uh, to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. Wow, whoever gets that. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. <clears throat> thou hast kept for him <clears throat> this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. At our communion, we had Dale Sweat and his son. I like to see that. This was David and Solomon. We had Brother Tom and his son, Charlie. Uh, it's the son he always wanted. Charlie Gilbert. I thought about Chris. Someday, if the Lord tarries and doesn't come and God continues to let the church to be functional, he may be sitting down with his own child, the wheelbarrow. I got to stop here and do this. I'm going to do the wheelbarrow walk. <laughs> I got that? I call him the king of the world. That boy walks like he's the king of the world, man. He throws them shoulders back. He kind of walks like this. I just love that little boy. It's good. I'm glad I don't have to take care of him, but nevertheless. <clears throat> so it says in verse 7, And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father. And I love this part. I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. That's a good place to start your prayer. That is a great place to start with God. At my age, or the advanced age of Brother Morris, whatever, however you're at in this life, that's a great place to start. It's the way I felt in my life. At 18, put my hand, God put his hand upon me. Actually, I, I got called into the ministry at 10 years old. Very, very definitive call. And fought it for a while, four or five years. But God would not take his hand off of me. Thank the Lord for that. I had no qualifications. I had no clue. I had no confidence. I had no chance. 
I had no hope but God. If God was going to do anything through me, it was sure going to be Him. It was not going to be me. So I take a moment to share with you these seven personal decisions. Um, I hope it will speak to some young person here or over where this goes. These are well thought out and deeply considered points that I give these seven things tonight. There are many more than seven, but these are really the essential, I believe, of God's, for God's servant to make these decisions. These, se these nine, seven decisions and others have kept me in good stead by the grace of God all these years, some over 50, from 50 years now, 18 to 68. So I start out number one. What is the number one, one of the greatest decisions, I, my personal private decisions I made? <clears throat> it comes from James chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. And I just absolutely love this passage because the Holy Spirit, when I read it, and I, I was somewhere in an 18-year-old time when I really began to read the Bible. When I, when I got right with God, I really got in the Bible, started devouring the Bible. And... and I began to ask what this passage talks about. Let's read it. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and that give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. And, and I want you ought to circle this word, and it shall be given him. What did I just read? How do you read that? Brother Corey, how do you read that? <clears throat> Brother Chris, how do you read that? Lloyd, how do you read that? Josh, how do you read that? <clears throat> you believe the Bible? There ain't no, there's no other way to read that. But if you ask, you get it. But a warning. Let him ask in faith. Nothing wavering. For he that wavers like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. And Brother Ernie Leonard knows about that, even driven of the wave and tossed. Amen. That takes on new meaning. For let not that man think that he should receive anything of the Lord. Now, when you, when you look at that verse and believe it, keep believing it. Keep believing it. So the first thing I asked for was wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Solomon asked for it. 2 Chronicles 1.10 says, Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this people that is so great? 1 Kings 3.9 says, Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this people? This, uh, I, this thy so great a people. So what he's saying is, you and I don't even, we're not even able to judge between right and wrong, good and bad, light and darkness without God. You have to have this. And don't quit asking for it. This is not a ask for it and shut the book. This is ask for it every time you pray. The Bible says he's not going to upbraid you for asking for this. So, you don't have to worry about him saying, hey, I've heard that enough. I don't want to hear it anymore. You know, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. No, he's not going to upbraid you. He's going to say, good, that's good, good. You keep asking for that. Oh, yeah, I'm going to give it to you. 
I'm going to give you wisdom and understanding. <clears throat> Jesus said you receive not because you ask not. So I just decided at 18 years old I was going to ask God on a continual basis for, for wisdom, understanding, and knowledge of God, of the Bible and Him. Many times I've prayed this. Sometimes I didn't feel uh, like necessarily I was all that much different, but I just kept in faith believing God's going to keep His Word. He's going to give it to me. I look back now, and I can see so many times that God has fulfilled His Word as decisions were made. And God had gave wisdom. The second thing, which was an overlap from this morning, was, of course, to know the Word of God. I don't think I need to go long into this because without the Word of God, we have nothing. We are nothing. It's not an academic pursuit, by the way. Oh, yeah, there's part of that. Academia is part of the Bible. In other words, memorizing the, the Ten Commandments, memorizing the uh, Ten Plagues, memorizing the chapter content of the Bible, memorizing verses out of the Bible, memorizing the layout of the Bible. That's somewhat academic. But ultimately, the Bible is not to be looked at like a, a, a medical textbook or a, a, a ge you know, geometry textbook. It's to be looked at as living word of God. That's why people backslide in, in, uh, in Bible school. You know, the best place to backslide and get away from God's Bible school? They begin to treat the Bible like an academic, because they are forced, in some degree, to treat it academically. We want you to memorize uh, this and memorize that and read, you know, read this over 25 times. And so, pretty soon, you're, you're beginning to look at the Bible almost, i got to pass a test. i got to be able to reproduce it. And... It's not, and then what happens is they forget that it, it's, it's the living word of God Almighty, forever settled in heaven. And they backslide. Proverbs 8, 18, 19 says, Riches and honor are with thee, yea, durable riches and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, yea, than fine gold, my revenue than choice silver. Being able to read and understand the words of this book is if, if, if all the gold in Fort Knox were given you, this is more valuable. That's why you can say you're a rich man or a rich woman if you know this book. You can pillow your head tonight and smile that you're not rich. You're filthy. And I don't use the word filthy rich. That's, that's a world term. But you're very rich. You're very rich. You're not just a little rich. You're massively wealthy. First, can money buy eternal life? No. <clears throat> can money buy a contractor whose name is Jesus that is going to build a house for you? Only he can do that. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go not prepare a place, I would have told you. He's going to prepare, and he is preparing a place for us. Whoa, giving us a new body. Like unto his glorious body. Oh, we're rich. We're rich. Well, Psalm 19 says, that More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. I had four beehives. Tom has bees. Boy, that, that honey out of the honeycomb, you know, you just take a circle spoon, and you just take that circle spoon and dip, put that in your mouth, and that burst, that first burst, uh, when you squeeze down on that honeycomb, there's just nothing like it. The second one's not as good as the first. 
It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. If you're a diabetic, your eyes cross and you pass out. But nevertheless. Moreover, by them as thy servant warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. Great reward. Great. Boy, if you, if you, when you get a grip on, on the riches of God's kingdom, it's been made available for whosoever will. Amen? It's in your it's in your power. It's in your will, decision making. You got enough time. You've got enough time. My dad had a statement uh, when I we as kids we'd say we don't have time. He says you got time to do what you want to do, and you know it's true. You got time to do what you want to do. The weather was looking pretty good for this Thursday, and I want to go deep sea fishing. Now I'm a busy man. I got a lot of schedule on, but you know what? I can go like this. Part the Red Sea, brother. Because a man does what he wants to do. I'll stay up late on, on, on Tuesday night and stay up late on Wednesday night. Stay up late on Friday night if I got to. But uh, I think I could make, I could make going, going out 60 miles and catching grouper a priority on Thursday. Hey, man, if I got any cooperation on that thing. But, uh, oh, I'm busy. Yeah, I know. Everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. The third thing that's been a great decision privately is getting deep into God's local Bible-believing church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Early on, God let me see the value of the local church. Whew. I wasn't a fringe member. I never went anywhere. My wife and I, wherever we went, we never went anywhere. We were a fringe member. When we dove in, we dove all the way in. We came in, and we did all anything that they needed done. We taught Sunday school classes. We did bus ministries. We did door-to-door. -door. We did visitation. We did whatever, uh, prison ministries and, and nursing homes. We did nursing homes for years for Boulevard Baptist Church and whatever because we were we tithed, man. I didn't have to tithe. I didn't. <clears throat> Brother, <clears throat> the only thing I'm ever keeping is what I give away. I got to tithe and more and give offerings. and <clears throat> You can't wear me out on special offerings. I love them. Brother, a hundred years from now, you'll be glad you gave to God's thing. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I'm glad. By the way, why am I Baptist? I'm Baptist because that group that called themselves Baptist was the closest to what the Bible taught than any other group I looked at. Any other group. And I looked at them all. I looked at the Nazarenes. I looked at the Church of God. I looked at the Church of Christ. I looked at the Lutherans. I looked at the Presbyterians. I looked at the Methodists. And I'll tell you, <clears throat> the, the fundamental independent Baptist church, though it is not a perfect, there is no perfect group, are, they honestly want to do what the Bible says to do. They honestly, from the heart, want to do what the Bible says to do. They take the Bible in a literal, natural, historical, normal form. A lot of them other groups take it in, a, in an allegorical form. They don't believe all of it. They believe almost no, none of the miracles. They don't believe Jonah was swallowed by a whale. They don't believe Noah built an ark and had a worldwide flood. You can't, when you start getting people down and asking them questions like that, you're going to find out who they are. <clears throat> he 
Hebrews 10, 25 says, Not forsaken assembling yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know today may be the last day of your life? This may be the last opportunity you have to come into God's house. Boy, we take it for granted, don't we? China right now is cracking down on Christians, cracking down on the local church. I just read a Chinese pastor is going to jail nine years before preaching the gospel in China. Right now, the Bowers are in Haiti and wondering whether they're going to uh, be able to really continue their ministry there and are they going to live through that experience? Is a gang going to come there tonight and, and kill them all? Hard to exist in an environment like that. Tonight you have peace. Tonight I don't think any of us are afraid of getting harassed because we went to church. Man, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. We should be with some of the happiest people face of the earth. Amen? Boy. When you get down, come to church. When you get depressed, come to church. When you get angry, come to church. When you get backslidden, terribly backslidden, make sure you come to church. I'm talking about independent, fundamental, Bible-believing church. We're going to hear a message out of the Word of God. Because the church is going to be your life. It's going to be that. It's going to be the, your, your connection where God can still work through you and to you. What happens when the first when person begins to backslide, they leave coming to church. First thing that goes. Duh! Makes sense to me the devil's trying to get you away from the most effective thing in your life. What's going to get you away from? Coming to church, reading the Bible. Boom. Two things are going to go. If you, you're, you're just going to be going at prayer. Maybe three things. So those things are what you want to concentrate on. If the devil wants me out of here, I want to be here. If the devil wants to keep me from coming to church, I'm going to come to church. Remember, you do what you want to do. Uh, there's no amount of money going to stop you, no amount of traffic going to stop you, no amount, not too many northerners on the road going to stop you. If you want to do it, you will do it. And God knows that, you know that, and I know that. Make it a priority in your life. Praise good, good private decision. The fourth, I believe, a great private decision in my life was being willing to sow the word. One to be evangelistic. Have a spirit of evangelism is what it is. Have a spirit of everywhere I go are prospects. The waitress is a prospect. The grocery store people are prospects. The guy that parks beside me gets a gospel track. You park beside Bill, I tell you, you get a gospel track. And the guy next to him, maybe, on the guy, and the guy way into the... I'm going to because the, when, I, when I'm in a store, I leave some gospel track. Why? Everybody's a prospect. Everywhere I go around, people are going to hell. Everywhere I go, people are going to hell. They're going to hell. And they need some help. I had somebody call me and said they bought a dishwasher or maybe one of the dishwasher could have been a, something else, but a big appliance the other day. <clears throat> Opened it up, a little gospel track, Gospel Baptist Church. I don't know who's putting them in there. Keep it up. <clears throat> I believe you should sow the word, God, the word of God in the sunshine, in the rain, in the heat, in the cold, in the good times, in the bad times. In the fruitful times when people are getting saved, baptized every Sunday, and in the barren times. And we've had that here. We went 25 Sundays at a baptism, 25 Sundays in a row. For many years, baptized over 50, 60 people a year. Whether, it's, whether we have 
Uh, fruitful times are barren times. We just keep doing what's right. Times of acceptance, times of rejection. Keep going because it's right to do. What will it do for you, preacher? It'll keep you soft and caring. It will keep a sense of compassion on you. It will challenge your own holiness of life because you don't want to hurt people by being a hypocrite. It will keep you in prayer. It will keep you in the Word. You'll begin to want, you'll be excited about the Word and you're going to want to memorize the Word and you're going to focus on the Word. Woo! Having a spirit of evangelism will help you. The fifth major, one of the greatest private decisions I made, and you're, this is going to surprise you because I haven't been real successful at it, but it's a goal, and that is to humble myself. To humble myself. First Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Matthew 18, 4, I read this morning. Wherefore, therefore, where, whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same as the greatest kingdom of God. I always say, don't wait for God to humble you. Go ahead and humble yourself. This is an attitude more than an action. Now, I'm going to say something to you you're not going to want to believe. You just won't want to believe it. I live in San Carlos Park on a dirt road. Now, to me, that humbled me. I was in San Carlos Park. There's 28 miles of dirt in San Carlos Park. You remember that. I lived on a dirt road. That humbled me. I didn't want to live on a dirt road. I like a clean vehicle. I, I like stuff clean. I'm not a clean freak, but I'm close. And it just really bothers me to have a dirty vehicle. Whatever it is. It could be 20 years old. I still want to clean. I, I, and I, but when God moved, opened that place on, <clears throat> on Rosewood on the dirt, I said, Lord, I'm willing, I, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to, I want to humble myself by living on dirt. Well, eventually they paved the road. Do you know that bothered me? They paved the road. My vehicle stayed clean. And so what I do, I sold and moved back on dirt. This time I moved a mile and a quarter on dirt. And I still don't like dirt. But dirt does something for your pride. I come here, I look at all your nice clean vehicles, and I see my piece of wonderful out there just all sandy and white and nasty. I have people come up to me and write, wash me. You say it's small. Yeah, it's small. Small little thing. Small little thing. I try to eat last in a group of people. This is practical stuff. I try to put myself last, not first. Does that make sense? Jesus said that. You come in a group of folks. Don't you take the upper seat. Take the lower seat. I think there's a certain attitude about humility. Did you know transparency and humility are related together? You read the book Calvary Road. He does a whole chapter on humility, and he talks about transparency being related to humility. I never was, I never will be a big shot. I'm just an average child of God, or maybe below. I'm no better than anyone else. I'm not royalty. I'm not snooty. And I'm not high class. And what are you, preacher? The Bible tells me what I am. Romans 7, 24, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? That was Paul's words. I'm a sinner saved by grace. The Calvary Quartet does such a great job on that song. I don't have to have the best. I don't have to have the most. I don't have to have the accolades of men. But I sure do need God's approval. 
And he said, if you want my approval, you got to be humble, and you got to humble yourself. Don't make me humble you. The sixth, one of the six greatest decisions I privately made is to be honest. I had to make a decision to be honest. You got to make a decision to be honest. That's because naturally we're a bunch of thieves. Naturally, we're a bunch of liars. Naturally, we're horrifically selfish. You have to make a decision, to be honest. 2 Corinthians 8.21, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Sight of men. I've overpaid my income taxes. I can sleep with an absolute clear conscience that I've not cheated the government out of a dime. I've given them more than they deserve, more than they wanted. I've gone to my accountant and made it clear that I want this thing to be above board, that it could, it could understand the scrutiny of a hundred other accountants, and it would be right. And throw, if I, when I got tips, when I laid floor covering, I threw the tips in there. Make sure you throw money in there for tips. I won't pay taxes on that. Why? The Bible says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. I want to be honest. I want to be honest about my tithe. One time I looked at our tithe offering, and I looked at them. My wife's always done the books. She's a little Irish, you know. She's a little tight-fisted on the money, but thank God I'm the boss. And I, it, it, was a, it was an oversight of some kind, but I looked at the number and I said, that's not enough money. That's not enough money. That's not enough money. And so I looked at, we looked at the whole thing, says, oh, somehow or another, uh, she had made some sort of mistake, and, right, you know, and I didn't, well, didn't tie it. I said, well, make sure that you make a checkup and make that up. Why? Because God's a great accountant. He really knows well. He knows how, he knows he knows what's going on. And everything I've ever received is from him. It's all his. He says, "Give me 10% of it back. You got it." Amen. What guy wouldn't be happy that said, "I'll give you 100% if you give me 10% back?" Who wouldn't be happy with that? And by the way, even 15% or 20%. He won't hurt you. It's good. It's good, honest. But I'm not talking about money, really. I'm just talking about honesty, a spirit of... But I'm talking about honesty down to the little stuff. You get overpaid on your check at, at, at the restaurant. What do you do? You go back? The other day, I checked out a lot Lowe's, and I had four bags of seeds. And I ended up putting them in my pocket. I, I seeds, you know, like... Uh, uh, what were they? Uh, what did I say I was planting? Uh, sunflower seeds. And I had these sunflower seeds in my pocket, got out in a truck on the way home. I said, oh, Kathy, you know, I never paid for these. You say, oh, it's just, it's, it's a small amount. They were, you know, it was like four, five, six, eight bucks. I went back, took a picture of them with my phone. By the way, that's nice. Take a picture of them with your phone. They can barcode them. And then you can pay for them. You say, does that make a difference? It's like life and death. Like life and death different. Because if I won't be honest in the pennies, I won't be honest in the dollars. Right? If I won't be honest with God's money, whose money would I be honest with? If I won't be honest with, 
the little, will I not, does not the Bible say that? If you're honest in a little, you're also honest in much. Honesty cannot be overstressed, cannot be overpreached. Honesty in your marriage. Honesty in your job. Honesty in your church. Honesty to, the, to God. No excuses. I don't care how much it costs. It doesn't make how much, it doesn't make a difference how much it hurts. Be honest before God in the sight of man. When in doubt, take the hit. Take the hit. Defraud, let yourself be defrauded rather than defraud someone else. The seventh great decision, personally and privately, and this you're going to think this may be strange, is to pray for my neighbors. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but everybody in here lives somewhere. Do you pray? First of all, do you know your neighbors by name? And do you pray for them? Don't, don't say yes or no. Just think about this. Everywhere I've moved, I've learned who my neighbors are. How did I learn that? Going door to door. You go door to door. I'm Bill Lytell. Or you, or, or you get to know them way one way or another. You get to know who your neighbors are. When you pray, do you mention them for God that they could be saved? You pray for your neighbors to be saved or you complain about their music being loud at midnight. Now, I called the cops on one of my neighbors one time, maybe more than once. After that rock and roll was going past midnight, I pray that they turn it off. I pray for my neighbor and dial 911. When you pray for your neighbors, God begins to do stuff. He begins to do stuff. One of my neighbors came over and said, my mother, our mother died. Would you do her funeral? I don't know this guy from Adam. Never been to our church. Otherwise, I'm just saying hi and goodbye. But I've been praying for him to get saved. And here's an opportunity. I get to do the funeral of his mother? I said, where do you want to do it? He says, on your property, it'll be fine. What, are we going to bury her? Well, she's in an urn. I'm really big on cremation. You know that. No, I'm not. But I said, sure. We'll, we'll do it by the lake. And, and they brought the little urn over, and I got to, I got to give the gospel to those two, diff, those two folks. You know, I mean, it was, it was a God thing. It was a God thing. Praying for your neighbor. God opens the door for him. <coughs> I have neighbors that hate me. Can you believe that? I have one neighbor. I'm not going to tell you the name. They literally hate my guts. They hate my guts. Just hate them. They're at the top of my list. They're at the top of my list. They give me trouble. They do bad stuff. I put a stop sign. When I moved in my neighborhood, I think you ought to brighten wherever, brighten the place you live. When I moved in, there were no stop signs, no street signs. I went and bought stop signs and street signs, put them up at the corner of Crow's Group, put them up on the corner of my road, put a stop sign, put a stop sign. It was a couple hundred dollars, some labor. First thing I did was put stop signs and street signs. This is a private road. Nobody does nothing. So I put stop signs and street signs up. Those neighbors I'm talking about, their kids, not only do the mom and dad hate me, but their kids hate me. They came down and tore my $100 stop sign down. And so I went and bought another one, put it up. They came, took that down. And I put that in. I had, I had, uh, I had that bolted on like Fort Knox. 
I took a grinder and did the edge of the bolts. So they just take the whole thing, take the whole thing, steal it. So my next stop sign, instead of being $100, was a $10 plastic stop sign. They've left it up. They left my plastic stop sign up. Well, I'm good with that. It works just like the rest of them. But rather than praying that they die a slow, miserable death, I pray that God would save those folks. Save them. Save them. Save them. By the way, why do they hate you, Bill? Because I'm a Christian. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these, the two command, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If you don't love your neighbor as yourself, as yourself, as yourself. Wow. Whew. Love your neighbor as yourself. Forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. You're bitter at your neighbor? Probably aren't getting forgiven much either. You're bitter at somebody wronged you? Probably aren't getting forgiven much. Maybe there could be some trouble there. Maybe that's what maybe it's the source of the trouble. Because God wants to forgive you, but he won't forgive you until you learn to forgive others. That makes sense, right? These seven simple decisions, these seven simple decisions, asking for wisdom, make Bible number one in your life, go deep into the local church, Sow the seed wherever you go. Seek to humble yourself. Be honest in the sight of all men and before God and pray for your neighbors. All these seven things and more have kept me and helped me to be in good stead. It's a good life. Wow. Father, help us tonight. Thank you for the few minutes we spent together. May the Holy Spirit now do what He does an illumination of what's been preached through the Bible. Forgive us where we err away from Scripture and our decision-making gets fuzzy and gets carnal. God, forgive us. Help us to be what pleases and what is pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.